Love that. Now, you mentioned, to backtrack a little, that you made the adult decision at 16 to dive into this love relationship only to suffer more hurt and pain. What would you then say to persons who have unresolved traumas and insecurities who are looking for love at any age, even in adulthood? So they are unresolved traumas, but they think they're grown. What would that look like for them? Self-love is so important. If you, if you don't love yourself, you're not going to be able to pour into a relationship. There's always going to be that block or that wedge that's there. And some people will, will go from one relationship to the next and hoping to get fixed by that other person. And it, it might be great for a little while, but until you can dive deep into your own heart and really appreciate who you are, it's going to be impossible for you to have a relationship that's 100% healthy and trustworthy. You know, the foundation of every relationship isn't love, it's trust. And if you don't trust yourself to trust that other person, you got to get that, you got to get that connection back. You got to figure out where that root cause of it is in order to be healthy. And you have to do that work on yourself, not the other person. You can change no one but yourself. You gotta draw a circle, stand in the center of it and ask God to change you because that's the only person you can change. Wow. Now, chapter eight speaks about overcoming guilt. And you said guilt is one of the blockers that keep us stuck in fear. People cannot make you feel anything. You are the author of your own thoughts and feelings. Now, I would ask you, at what point did you start to come to this realization that they can't hurt me? I'm the one allowing this to affect me in this way. 2016, I took a class with Leslie Vernick called CORE, and it was a very cool program about identifying my own feelings and understanding what I needed as a person, as a woman, and voicing that concern, that opinion in a safe manner, and then accepting that if that other person didn't want to hear what I had to say, to say that that was okay, it was okay to disagree instead of being argumentative. I'm a very argumentative person. <laughs> I love to get the last word in. So that was a really, that took a lot of work for me to, un, to step back and say, okay, you know, and recognize hurt people hurt others. And what I don't know what they're thinking, but if they're not at a place where they're ready to communicate in a loving way, I can't make them do that. So just stepping back and saying, okay, you know, maybe we can connect later, but I need to take care of myself right now. So I'm going to remove myself from the situation. And then understanding that it's not my fault that they responded that way. That was completely on them. And I practice this every single day. We always have two choices. We always have the choice to engage or not engage. You know, if that's where a person that came knocking on the door, would you let them in? Most of the time, not. No. So when somebody says something, I, you have to stop and think, listen, right? We have two ears to listen. What are they saying? Right. You know, just listening to them. And, and I, I learned the other day that listen and silence have the same letters. Yes. Ooh. And yeah, isn't that cool? And yes. we have two ears and one mouth. We need to listen and be silent and think about it. And when I first started practicing this, I was silent for so long. People would be like, did you hear me? Are you listening? I'm like, I'm trying to process this. <laughs> like, Give me some time. I'm new at this. <laughs> right. Wow. Now, you mentioned holding on to shame from 16 to 51 years old. 
what does that do to a person's mindset? Because you're not saying it's a decade. It's almost an entire lifespan for some. Mm -hmm. What is that looking like? Well, it, it, you go in two directions. You're either a high achiever in certain places. Like I was fantastic. I loved my job. Everything was my job. I volunteered. You know, I, I poured into my kids. I poured into, you know, cooking. You know, I, I found things to, to hide myself from visiting that pain. The other extreme is you become so depressed and anxious and have panic attacks that you can't function. You can't do anything and you end up losing your jobs and you have no hope. Um, I was, I saw that that's what my mom had done yeah. and I didn't want to be that way. I wanted to be happy. I wanted to have peace and joy. So I just kept searching for it and I kept going after it and, and trying to figure out, well, how do I get this? And it, it, you have to be willing to be, you have to take radical action to get there. It doesn't just happen overnight. It's a healing journey. It's a daily yeah. healing journey. Daily healing journey. So true. No, I just wanted to get this question in as well. After you did your abortion and your husband was comfortable, you guys got married. What did it look like for you raising kids? You said you wanted to put up your, your first child uh, for abortion. But then spanning over that 30 years of you being in shame, were you constantly lashing out on them as well? What were some of your projections and how did you resolve that so that they could go on to live healthy lives? Yeah, great question. So when my when I got pregnant the third time, I, I had known when I had the first two abortions, I made a commitment that if I ever got pregnant again, I was going to have the baby full term, keep the baby and raise the baby. And my mom, when I told my mom, she's like, well, you should, you're, you're 18 years old. If you're not going to marry this guy, then you should have, you should put the child up for adoption. And she actually wanted her and my stepfather actually wanted to adopt my son. And I was like, no, that's weird. You're not going to adopt my son. I'm going to raise my son. And I had felt confident enough. I had babysat since I was 11 years old. So I knew all about, you know, children and all of that. And I'm like, no, I'm going to be the best mom I can be. I lived at home for the first three years. It was very dysfunctional. So I was a very nervous mom. And I felt like my mom treated me like a child. So took the authority. And because we fought every weekend, you know, the first, they said they, back then they said the first three years of your child's life was very impressionable. So there was a lot of, you know, a lot of nervousness in him. And as he was growing up, because I was a single mom, I was on welfare. I had help. And my mom would get mad that I had this help and I would try to leave. And she would convince me that if I left, I would get, you know, I wouldn't be safe. Right. And after three years of it, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. And I actually moved in with my, my, he's not my husband, but at the time it was my boyfriend. I was going to move in with him temporarily until I could find a place because I knew it was an unhealthy environment for my, who my son was three at the time. So I had caseworkers come in, social workers come in and teach me how to lovingly discipline, how to do reward charts, how to get him the help that he needed. And he, he's a beautiful, he's a beautiful man. And he's 35 years old. I have a beautiful granddaughter, another one on the way in June. And him and his wife do a fantastic job with loving their daughter and, and just showing absolute love. And we have conversations. I had conversations with all of my kids. I have three. And I said, I want to break this curse. I don't want this dysfunction in our family. I want us to heal because we're all very nervous, a little bit of OCD type of thing. Um, and we don't, 
I didn't know what a feeling was until my favorite, one of my favorite movies, Inside Out, came out. That movie came out in 2015. I watched it. I'm like, those are what feelings are. Okay, <laughs> I can handle this now. And I started identifying feelings. And I, I realized my kids didn't know what feelings were because I never expressed them. All I expressed was frustration and anger. You know, and with the panic attacks, instead of yelling at them, I'd go smoke a cigarette, I'd calm right down, and then I'd be okay not realizing it. And when I got a mentor in 2014, she's like, well, you know why you smoke, don't you? I'm like, because it tastes good. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> she says, you really think it tastes good? I smoked menthol. I'm like, yeah, I like menthol cigarettes. She says, you're doing it because it's the breath work. When you take a deep breath in, you're calming yourself down and the motion of the cigarette is helping you do it. She says, if you ever stopped, if you ever quit smoking and you did that same act, you'd get the same effect without the bad negative effect. So for me to become a certified aroma freedom practitioner, which uses breath work, we use the essential oils with this, it makes sense, totally makes sense. <laughs> you know? wow. Well, you certainly, uh, the curse is broken. You certainly did that. And yeah. that's commendable that you did not pass that on to your, uh, your offspring and they can go on to live healthy lives and to just be healthy in their mindset as well to, to, to live uh, full productive lives. So you, you mentioned uh, in, in chapter 12 of a blissful ending, speaking on that positive aspect, that what we think, we feel, and what we feel, we manifest in our actions. And if we choose guilt, we will become guilty. So I realize it's just a matter of what are you choosing in your thought process? And in a world that is so full of negativity, our minds automatically go to the negative, that is the reason why, but if we're not able or we're not researching or becoming self-aware, all of the things that you mentioned, we won't be able to address these things and to stop our traumas by learning about them and understanding ourselves and our triggers. Right. Exactly, 100%, you nailed it. Wow. We all get a choice and we can choose to live a life that is joyful and peaceful in order to choose that path, we need to do that heart work. We need to look at our thoughts and just captivate them and understand how they're affecting us and why. And once you know your why, you can look at those circumstances and give thanks and then choose the peace and the joy that comes with it. It's all about being in alignment. And then you can, you can serve with passion and you don't have, you don't need this external validation because you already have this joy, this unspeakable joy and this peace beyond understanding you know, and, and the connection, you know, with our creator is so amazing and so beautiful. When you realize I am wonderfully made, I yes. am made for a purpose. I, I have breath. Yes. I breathe in for a reason. My heart beats for a reason, you know, and yeah, I'm still going to get, I'm still going to experience negative emotions and positive emotions, but I don't have to stay there. This morning I woke up, I had a procedure done yesterday and they had to put me under. And I don't do well with that kind of stuff. And I woke up and I was exhausted. I was zero energy level. And I'm like, Lord, I have so many things on my calendar today. I need energy, please. You know, I started thanking him every day. I thank him for the breath of life. And I started thinking, okay, I have the breath of life. I have this gift. Let me, what can I do to get up and, and raise my energy? So I did my, I did an aroma re reset and I started giving thanks for all the beautiful things for the ability to move to have the skill set of the medical staff that worked on me to have all these choices. 
And then I started re realizing all the beautiful moments. There's this one beautiful moment where my family and I went on a bear hunt in Lake George. It was a beautiful summer night. And we hiked up the hill with our flashlights and we got to the top of the hill and it was like, you could just touch the sky and there were so many stars that you could gather. And as I saw the reflection of the stars in my kids' eyes, I thought, oh, what a beautiful moment. And as I looked from their eyes to the stars, a shooting star went by and it was wow. the most breathtaking thing. And because it was so close, I mean, a pitch black sky with these bright twinkling lights, so bright, it lit up everything. And to see this one star stand out above everyone else, I'm like, that is pure joy. So I reflected on that and my level, I mean, I went from feeling from a zero to a five, which is fantastic in less than five minutes. Yeah. And I went from feeling exhausted to feeling very focused and thinking, okay, I'm here for a reason. There's a purpose that I have breath today. Let me do what I need to do. Wow. You are such a great example to show people at large that your past doesn't have to define you. And once you work on yourself and you give your emotions, your feelings to God as well, and you don't worship God or serve him out of a place of fear and wondering if he's going to hurt you or constantly disappointed in you, but to understand that perfect love, then you'll be able to fully live out your purpose. Lisa, I just want to thank you so much for joining me today. It was certainly a pleasure. Where can people find you and your book? lisadrennan.com. My book is also on Amazon. And, and thank you for taking the time to thoroughly read my book and ask such wonderful questions and, and dig deep. I, I'm just so in awe. Thank you so much. You're welcome. It was such a good read. And I encourage my listeners to go get a copy. You can just get home one day from work and just snuggle up and read that book and you will be changed. Promise. All right, thank you so much again, Lisa. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, you as well.